Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. We're in a series beginning today and next week about being connected. We're trying to emphasize the importance of joining a small group of some kind that has pertinent information related to you, where you can make some friends and close contacts. It's always tough dragging people out, trying to get them to connect, but the reward is immense. So uh, Cindy and Walda and some of the team asked me to go back some things I used to do in new members class many years ago on being connected. And I'm going to do that today and tomorrow. So we call it life together. You know, it, what, did I say tomorrow? Well, I'm cold. I'm sorry. Oh, well, what it is. <laughs> life, see, that's life together. See there, but point about being connected. So she loves to correct me. All right. There's, there's a popular series on Netflix right now. You might want to check it out called Blue Zones. And the documentary covers old people over a hundred and it's locations on our planet where people live the longest and they look at about nine of them and everybody's over a hundred. Okay. And they found nine key areas that are consistent in each of the zones. Let me just give you three because they're related to being connected and I'll use their language. The first one is belong to belong. It showed that attending faith-based services four times a month will add four to 14 years of life expectancy. Pretty good benefit. Secondly, putting loved ones first, family first. That was in all of the groups. And that can add up, researchers said, to like three years of life expectancy more. And then third, being in the right tribe. Those are so social circles around you that support healthy behaviors. They said obesity, happiness, loneliness are all contagious. So you need to pick the right tribe to encourage you in the area you want to achieve. He that walks with wise men shall be wise. He that walks with skinny people will get skinny. I mean, <laughs> pretty, pretty simple. So you want to pick, pick the kind of people around you that enforce your goal and what you want to achieve. Okay, let's take a look then. Psalms 68. Psalms 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary, that's the loner, in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Then Psalms 92, verse 12 through 14. says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh, fat, and flourishing. Notice those words, planted, flourish, grow, bear fruit, fresh. That sounds pretty appealing to me. Some of you ain't looking too fresh, okay? 
So we're looking at the law of connection today, the law of connection. Now, most laws or principles in the Bible don't announce themselves as laws. You won't come to a verse and find a subheading that says, pause here for a moment. This is a spiritual law called sowing and reaping. Spiritual laws are scattered all over the Bible, right? They are woven into the day-to-day mundane activity of the lives of ordinary people just like you and me. And it takes a little insight, some discernment, to be able to discover a spiritual law in God's Word. In fact, a lot of times we discover it by mistake or when we break one. So understand that our lives are governed and influenced by certain laws that we have to learn and understand. And if you, if you don't come to understand these laws, you're going to forever be at their mercy, and you'll never learn how to use them to your own advantage. The Bible declares that God is a God of order, not confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, when there's chaos going around, God is not in it. He is not the God of confusion. But everything he makes has order to it and purpose to it, including your life. So when you see something out of balance, out of work, you know, all right, something's messed up here. Some principle or some law is being violated to create this confusion. So God has set laws in motion that are universal. As a result, certain things will always happen. For example, if you live in South Texas during the summer, it's always hot. If you go to Seattle in December, don't take shorts and and, uh, flip-flops and a Hawaii shirt because it's going to be cold. It always is. You may not like it that it's hot in South Texas in the summer. (laughs) Guess what? That won't change the natural law. It won't do it. Laws don't need our approval or belief to operate. They don't need your permission. They don't need your blessing, and they don't need your agreement. Whether you like it or not, that law will not change, nor will it be altered. So if you're a smart person, you'll want to understand that law and learn how to harness it and make it work to your advantage. Like he that has many friends must show himself friendly. If you're a wallflower, you're violating a spiritual law, and you're going to be like Roy Orbison, only the lonely. Some of you said, who's Roy Orbison? He's a great theologian. He's a... He are dead. That's what Roy is. But yeah, I thought, I thought about that. These people say, you see, it's not up to other people. It's up to you to work that. You got to be a friendly person. Outgoing. How are you? Missed you last week. You doing okay? Saw you. Hey, great to see you again. You're always going to have people around you. Always going to have friends. Why? It's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual principle. Simple. It'll work for me. It'll work for anybody. It'll work in Texas. It'll work in Oklahoma. It'll work in Alaska. It'll work in Italy. It'll work anywhere because it's universal. It's scripture, see? So I'm a foolish person if I decide to work against that law, and it will cost me dearly. Some laws that govern our lives are natural. Some laws are spiritual. Take, for example, the law of gravity. That's a natural law. See, whenever you release something from your hand, it will always fall down. Nobody says, oh, I lost my wallet. (laughs) No, you're down on the floor looking around the car somewhere, right? Or in the house. So what goes up on earth must come down. If an American picks up an object and releases it, it's going down. 
If it's a Republican or Democrat, it's still going down. Same for women, same for Italians, Africans, uh, uh, Hispanics. So the, the point is that it doesn't care who you are or where you are. If it's a principle or a law, if you drop an object on planet Earth, it's going down. That law works for everybody, everywhere, anytime. Cool, right? I mean, simple. So what's the difference between a law and a principle? Well, a law doesn't need me to understand it for it to work. I could be asleep. It's still working. I could be awake. I could be poor. I could be rich. I can be anything. It doesn't matter. It's going to work 24-7 all day, every day. So I don't have to understand it before it works. I can't add or subtract anything to the law of gravity. It's fixed. But on the other hand, a principle needs your understanding and your agreement with it, as well as activation of it for it to work for you. You, you don't have to agree with the law of gravity. Just go to the top of the roof, shout out loud as possible, I don't believe in the law of gravity, and then jump. <coughs> Which way are you going? Down, Sparky, going down. Isaac Newton didn't invent gravity, the law of gravity. He just discovered it by accident when apparently an apple fell from a tree and hit him in the head. He eventually figured out it must be caused by the law of gravity. So you cooperate with laws to your advantage and you disagree with them to your peril. Life is kind to those who understand and live in harmony and agreement with the laws of God. See, but life is cruel and hard to those who work against them. That's why Proverbs 4 verse 5 says, with all you're getting, get understanding. See, so what is this law of connection? Everything is connected to something. Let me modify that slightly. Everything that works is connected. These TV cameras around our auditorium are working because they're connected. The chairs you're sitting in holding you up are connected by screws and bolts. If we remove them, your seat will fall apart. My microphone I'm using is working because it's connected electronically to some power source. Everything that works is connected. So whenever something stops working, it's because it has been disconnected, okay? And when a connection breaks, we say something's broken. When a light bulb burns out, it's because the tiny filament has lost its connection to the power source. A guitar is broken because a string is broken. So whenever a connection is broken, the object of that disconnection stops working. And in the same way, people are broken. Marriages are broken because their connections are broken. You don't end up in a parking lot with a cardboard sign trying to get a loan from somebody because you're being evicted from your house so you have food. You don't get there at 8 o'clock at night in Stone Oak this weekend. Something went bad this weekend. Oh, no. This sucker's been broken a long time. He's broken. I've, I've many times says, can I call your, your spouse? Don't have one. Can I call your mother and father? No. Can I call, do you have an uncle? Is there anybody I can call to verify who you are and, and get you some help? No, no. How do, you, how, how do you end up with nothing? You have to work hard at that, right? That's, I mean, you have to be deliberate about doing That's not an accident of your birth. That's an accident of your choices. Connections and disconnections. So whenever something won't function as it should, we call it dysfunction. 
right? There have been disconnections going on. God never intended for anybody to stand alone. He said, Psalm 68, God sets the solitary in families. No one in this room is a self-made man or woman. You are where you are today because of certain connections, good or bad, right or wrong, that you made. The Bible says those who are planted, connected in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. And I'm going to take that to the bank. That doesn't mean I attend twice a year. I'm connected. I am planted. I'm there. I'm part of that family. Many of you today that are in Summit are not satisfied with just attending. At some point, you decided, I hopefully through prayer and God's leading, you decided to be part of this family, to belong, to become connected. And whether you knew it or not, you engaged in a spiritual connection. Now, there are certain things that were not available to you before you connected that are now available to you because you are. For example, you can live next door to somebody who's not a citizen of the United States of America, and they can have a house built exactly like yours. They can look exactly like you, but you don't have the same rights and privileges, right? There are certain things your neighbor doesn't have access to that you as a citizen do. Pretty simple. Why? Because you're connected to this country in a way the neighbor is not. God sets the solitary in families. Now that word families in the Hebrew means shelter, a place of protection. The place of your connection is the place of your protection, your shelter, not where God didn't put you, but where he did. By the way, your provision follows your placement. If I'm where I'm supposed to be, God supplies my need. If I, in my rebellion and self-will, take myself out of that placement, God doesn't promise provision. Why? Because I'm not where he put me. You can't grow coffee trees in Alaska. You got a good coffee tree, you got a good country, but it's the wrong temperature, the wrong climate, the wrong soil. It won't flourish. And when you're planted where you're not supposed to be, you won't flourish. It's that simple. I want to flourish. How about you? Psalms 92, we read it. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. That word house is also the same word for families. In Psalms 16, verse 6, it means shelter. Shelter. Back to protection. So the place of your connection is the place of your shelter. It's the place of your protection. It's the place you are to flourish. So let's go back when you were born. <clears throat> when an egg in a woman is fertilized, it begins immediately to attach itself to the walls of the uterus. That egg does not, uh, if it doesn't get successfully connected, there's a miscarriage and life and potential gets lost. If it successfully attaches, connects, it begins to grow. And as it becomes a fetus, the connection changes and the baby's now connected to mom by the umbilical cord. And that connection is vital to the survival and, and health of the baby. At the end of nine months, by the way, I never had a baby. Just letting the women know I watched, but I didn't have it. At the end of nine months, the baby gets born and we sever the umbilical cord. And you're probably thinking, well, that's the end of connections. No, no, no. Watch. When the cord is separated, you start another connection. The baby is usually put to the mother's breast. And from that moment on, your life is a perpetual series of one connection and disconnection after the other. 
so that when you disconnect uh, legally and properly from something, you do it correctly being with God's will, you got to be connected to something else. Are, are you aware how many people were connected in church bef uh, uh, before COVID? Then after COVID, they didn't come back. They See, God says you are to be connected if you're planted so you can flourish. And I think about the potential lost in people who don't see the benefit spiritually of this law and the benefit it brings their life, okay? He didn't say if you watch on TV, he said those who are planted in the house of God. So I'm, I'm planted. So as we grow up, our connections seem less obvious. I would suppose if you're 30, you're not as clingy to your mom as you were when you were two, but that doesn't mean there's no connection. See, if we leave our parents because they die, we connect to other people. If I meet and marry my spouse, the Bible says, for this cause shall a man disconnect, leave his father and mother, and cleave or connect to his wife. So you connect to something else when you leave something. So as we mature in life, the connections become more subtle and less obvious, but still incredibly significant. Uh, notice this way for a moment. The microphone that I'm wearing is a cordless mic. In your sight, it might appear not to be connected to anything as opposed to these other instruments on stage that are attached by cords. But how many know that my cordless mic is very connected? You simply can't see it with your eye, these electronic waves moving through the air to a power source back in the sound booth. So the connection, because this microphone is more sophisticated, is not as noticeable, but it's as vital as possible. So as we mature in life, our connections are less obvious, but no less significant. In Genesis 1, verse 28, God told Adam, be fruitful. That means be productive. It's God's desire that you and I become productive. Whether it's human life, plant life, or animal life, God expects us to be productive, to reproduce. In John 15, you've heard me quoted a hundred times. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bring forth fruit. So why did God choose us? To bear fruit, to be productive, to reproduce other believers. Jesus went on to say, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. Not that you struggle to get by, not that you hang in there. That's not, that's the culture. That's not Bible. God says, my plan for you is to be fruitful and productive, and I want you to bear much fruit. And I'm going to pray that over my life every day because that is the pure, clear will of God. See, now to enhance that productivity, what's God do? He places divine connections in your life. For a fish to be productive, it's got to be connected to water. For a plant to be productive, it's got to be connected to the soil. And whenever we sever those connections, we kill our productivity. So can I suggest that your greatest productivity in life is going to come when you locate and recognize your God-ordained connections and you hold to them. See, doesn't mean you always get along or agree. You don't have a fuss or an argument. I mean, Cindy and I have that occasionally, but the point is we're still connected. We're not going to breach that. You could have a brother and you guys have a little falling out. You don't break the connection. You, you humble yourself like God said to. 
and you, you repent, ask forgiveness, or you, you move on. But you know, church doesn't pay any attention. Oh, it doesn't mean anything. And so you don't realize what's happening to you. How many know that a man can't have a baby by himself? Now, the culture doesn't know that, but I know it. And a woman can't have a baby by herself. If she gets pregnant, she had to connect with something or someone or in vitro. And if we're going to bear fruit like Jesus said, we got to be connected. God connects you with people, and he connects you with the church. That's why David said, when you are replanted in the house of God, you will flourish. You'll bring forth fruit. You'll be productive even in old age. You won't be sitting around reading the obituary column, looking at the latest mail out from AARP or whatever it is. No. You'll be productive even in old age. So as the years advance, if you're connected properly, your productivity doesn't decrease, it increases. In John 15, verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, he's agriculturally, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now what's that about? Being connected. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him is going to bear much fruit. Jesus said, you want to bear much fruit? You got to be connected. Abide in me. Then Jesus said, if anybody does not abide in me, he's cast out like a branch broken from a vine and withers. See, if I stay within the framework of my divine connections, I'm going to live, blossom, grow, and be fruitful. But to be removed from those God-appointed connections is to wither and die. So get connected and stay connected. Let me pause there and say this. I've watched people break divine connections where God was doing something great out of their ego, out of an offense, out of their pride. I remember uh, a former worship leader in Australia in one of the biggest churches and international movements around who was writing beautiful music. And together, they plus the church and the pastor and everybody were taking the world by storm. And that worship leader got uh, a little ego problem and decided that he would take the team away, the worship team, and, and leave his connection and uh, do it all himself. And I remember I told the pastor, this is not going to happen. This fruitfulness that he's enjoying is because God has put him here with you, whom he chose you to do this thing, to start it. He came in, God connected him, and now there's a lot of good life flowing. But when he decided uh, out of an offense he had uh, for some issue, I don't remember what it was, and then hooked up with another woman, not his wife, and left the church, God chose a little girl named Darlene Check. She was singing in the choir, just doing her normal mundane duty, and she worked in the youth department. And they asked her to lead the, lead the group because the worship leader was gone with his ego. And she came out and sang her first song. She wrote and sang, Shout to the Lord. I was there on the day she sang it for the first time, a moment in history. I'll never forget it. Oh, by the way, the former worship leader, you never heard of him, never heard of his name, never. Why? He broke a divine connection. And what God wanted to do with Brian Houston, he continued to do it by simply saying, if you won't do what I made you to do, where I made you to do it, I'll get somebody else who can. Jesus said, if you won't praise me, I'll get these rocks to praise me. I don't need you. 
if you don't want to flow and do what I've asked you to do. Amen. God, you are replaceable. I'm replaceable. Everybody is. But if I want to flourish, I need to stay with my connection. So some people attend church. Some people get connected to a church. And in this room today, many of you are connected, but there are some just attending. There's someone near you who's connected, and there's probably someone near you who is simply attending. And you can't tell the difference by looking at people. You can't look at their suit or dress. You can't tell by their makeup or wardrobe which one's connected, which one isn't. But there are some ways you can tell the difference. First, for those who are connected here at Summit, this service is not an option. It's a matter of spiritual life. Some people woke up today and said, I'm so tired. I wake up every Sunday morning that way. <laughs> Anybody with me? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for being here. I don't think I'll go to church today. See, how many of you do that in your job? See, guess what? Your boss is going to say, okay, friend, you're not connected here, so let's just complete the disconnection. You're fired. So you go to work rain or shine, hot or cold, tired or happy. I mean, what if you lived in Buffalo, Minneapolis? I've preached in all those churches up there, snow up to my knee out there, place full, 8,000 people in Detroit in a church there. That's, their, that's where they live. Being cold isn't going to keep them out of church unless you're sick or on vacation, right? So whether you like your boss or not, you'll get up, drag yourself out of bed, carry yourself to that office or your place of employment because you know you're connected there. There's something going into your bank account every month that keeps you going. And because you are connected there, nobody has to call you up and say, hey, Joe, remember, I got to work tomorrow. Don't forget now. Be sure to get there by 830 in the morning. Put a note on your bathroom mirror so you don't forget. To go to work? Nobody does that. Why? Because you know you are connected. It's people who are not connected. We have to call and write and email and beg and remind and pump them up and feed them like little children just to show up for church as a believer. See, why didn't you come to church last week? Oh, my brother-in-law came to visit. Well, tell the dude, let's go. We're going to church. If he doesn't want to go to church, tell him the kitchen's open. Find something to eat. You'll be back after church. They'll keep me out of my divine connection. Well, I didn't feel good. Nobody visited me. My wife forgot to wake me up. It was too cold, and it was raining out there. <laughs> What's going to happen to those people? Not much. <laughs> Not much. See, but when you're connected, the thought of missing church never even occurs to you. If hell's burning all around me, you're going to be there. It's not an option. It's not an option because I'm connected. If I have an argument with Cindy, I'm still connected. Yeah. If I want to eat, I'm still connected. <laughs> <laughs> just like it is. You just, have, you just have to get over it. If a couple of you sisters or brothers get offended by something, you have to get over it. You don't want to break a divine connection. See, it's impossible to live or marriage or relationship without some offense. It's impossible. Of course it's going to happen. Are you going to break up a good deal just because of your ego and pride? Well, people do all the time. It's just stupid. Some people chose Summit as a place to come. Others were chosen by God to be planted here. And they know they're not here because of the face of the pastor or because of how he says what he says. No, no, no. You know there's something of a God-ordained connection here. And you know there's nowhere else for me to go. Remember what the disciples said to Jesus? And he said, you going to go away too? And they, 
To whom, to where, to what? You have the words of eternal life. We're staying. They were connected. And you'll quickly discover that you don't have to watch over people who are connected. You don't have to expend a lot of energy over connected people. They help, they serve, they give, they encourage, they refresh others. They make life so much easier. And boy, when you see them, you know, I smile with joy in my heart because I know they're ready to get in the game. I know they're part of this vision. We are here together. And I'll tell you something, at the core of every successful church, there have to be connected people. You can't build a successful anything on attenders. Attenders get up and leave when they feel like it. You can go to AT&T and you could pay 90 bucks and go to a concert and you could just get up and walk out if you didn't like it or like the song they were singing, whatever. Why? Because I'm just attending. Nobody can stop me. I'm leaving. The crew can't leave. The musicians can't leave. The light and sound guys can't leave. The stage director can't leave. Why? Because they're connected. So the devil works overtime to prevent people from becoming connected because he understands this law of connection. He knows that where there is a divine connection, there will always be productivity, and he does not want that. See, the devil knows firsthand the pain of being disconnected because he was disconnected as the covering cherub over God's throne. He rebelled against God in his pride, and God yanked him out of his place, threw him out of heaven, so the enemy knows very well what you lose when you're disconnected wrongly. So he will actively promote disconnection, so much so that our society is now built on the philosophy of detached living. And we think the more detached you become, the more sophisticated you are. But detachment is not the will of God ever. I had another thought. This, for some of you not spiritual, the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. I mean, they go back before Christ, don't they? I mean, those dudes are old. But in ego and pride, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger broke up. And they recorded on their own and got nothing. They couldn't give away a record. And they realized, if we're going to have what we had with the Stones, we had it because of our chemistry, because we were together. God chose the right people together, and that produced life and good success and money. And I'm saying they were smart enough to bury the hatchet and go back together so they could reproduce. That makes sense? Now, if a rolling stone can do it, surely you could do it. Come on. Detached people, loners, become serial killers. Detached people will carry a gun in, go to a school, and shoot innocent children because they don't have anybody to strengthen them, challenge them, or hold them accountable. And they want it that way. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself pursues selfish desires and rebels against all sound judgment. And that's why they're alone. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want to be accountable to anybody else or challenge me. So a lot of people, they want to do life in church that way. But life and church are to be experienced connected because it's a family. Now, there are two ways people disconnect. One is overtly, just up and leave. No notice, nothing. Somebody said something they didn't like. Music was too loud. Service was too short, too long. Uh, they didn't like the lights. Uh, Rick made a statement I didn't like. I'll probably make a lot of them you don't like. And then subtly, they leave subtly. They disconnect. 
They sit in the congregation, but they are disconnected. So it doesn't matter how anointed the service is or relevant the message is, doesn't touch them. I can take two electric fans on the stage, one plugged in, one not. And if you don't trace the connection cord to the source, they look exactly alike. But when there's a demand for air and you turn the switch on, the one connected runs. But if you switch on the other fan that looks just as good, nothing happens. Why? It's disconnected. So you can sit next to a person who's untouched by what we're discussing right now. They're the subtle ones. The subtle disconnection is also when you choose to connect yourself to what God is opposed to. Some person, let's just make something up. Some person is pointed out as a non-repentant member who is engaged in malicious behavior. And you go and connect yourself to them. Now, God told Adam, he says, Adam, you see that tree of knowledge of good and evil? Don't eat it. In a day you eat of it, you're going to die. Well, did Adam go to God and say, God, I'm fed up with you telling me what to do and running my life. I'm separating from you. That's not what he said. Adam didn't say anything. He just simply attached himself to what God had forbidden. And by connecting himself to that, he detached himself from God. You get it? When a man marries a woman, he's connected to that woman. Oh, you better believe it. But if that man now goes and connects himself to another woman, what's he done by implication other than commit suicide? He's disconnected himself from his wife and she'll make it official with a divorce. So church family, don't tamper with God-ordained connections. When you do it, you abort destiny. You hinder your life. If I pull a flower out of the ground, will it shrivel and die? No, that would put florists out of business. Even though it's been disconnected, it appears to be fresh and green and colorful. But because nothing has changed immediately doesn't mean nothing has changed. See, the moment the disconnection occurred, that flower began to die. Now, it might take several days or a couple of months or a few years for you to see the manifestation of a disconnection. So there are people who wrongly disconnected themselves from a place, and as a result, things start to go downhill very slowly. Maybe there's trouble in the marriage. The home is unsettled. Finances become difficult to balance. And they're wondering, what's wrong? What's happened? It's possible you disconnected yourself from where God wanted you to be. See, if God hadn't called you to be here or any church and you leave, no problem. But if God has planted you here and you tamper with that, you're on your own. You have severed a God-ordained connection. I've watched people who were definitely connected to a church leave a church because they got offended or some usher moved them or somebody failed to speak to them and they leave and go to another church thinking they'll teach the old church a lesson. But all the while they leave, they... They leave physically, but they keep phoning people in the old church, and they're not talking about the new church. They just won't talk about the old one. Negative talk, but they're still connected, and they just can't stop talking about where they left. It's kind of funny and dumb, but they never should have pulled out. When you disconnect from God-ordained connections, you find out your whole life still revolves around it. The only thing that changed is that you moved physically. Sometimes attenders leave a church and expect people who are connected to go with them. You're my friend. We came here together. So now that I'm going to leave, you got to go too. But the ones who are connected say, no, 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 I'm sorry. I am connected here. 
This is the place for my family, and God's put us here. I love you. I cherish our friendship. If you want to go, you go. But my connection is here, and it's more important than my friendship with you. I'm not breaking that. I've seen that happen a hundred times. See, when you're struggling to keep somebody on board in your department, on your team, in your church, it's probably they never were connected in the first place. Just let them go. Let them go. When the wind blows over a field, what goes? Everything that's disconnected, litter, dead leaves, all go push away. And big heavy trees, they can be bent and shaken by the wind, but they will not be uprooted because they're planted and they're flourishing. People who are connected need little effort to stay. And after 20, 25 years, they're still here. Is it because they've never been upset? No. Is it because they like everything that happens? No. But they recognize and embrace the law of connection, and they refuse to become disconnected. Same in marriage. I ain't going anywhere. Oh, we may fuss and have an argument or something. I think, that ha did that ever happen? Uh, yeah, right. Like once a week, maybe, or something. But I know Cindy's a God connection. I know it, okay? And no matter where I go in the world or what the circumstances are, I'm coming right back to her and to Summit. I got no other option. I'll be a fool to commit suicide if I did that. I'm not going to do that. So have we ever been mad and wanted to disconnect? Oh, shoot, yeah. But we won't talk about that. So... So don't waste a lot of time and energy over unconnected people. We have this silly idea in church people that when somebody leaves a church, we got to spend six weeks in a forensic examination as to why they're leaving. No, you're leaving anyway. So why expend any energy and pour it over something that's already detached when instead you can focus on those who are connected and committed? Oh, Rick, that sounds so cold. Didn't the shepherd leave the 99 and go after the one lost sheep? Uh, yeah, but may I remind you, the sheep was lost. He wasn't offended. He wasn't rebellious. And he didn't up and leave the flock. He was lost. And anyway, the offended just dump garbage on you and they leave anyway. So why waste time? See, when you're connected, you don't need constant attention. You're able to get on with life. Let me close. Look at Ruth. Her mother-in-law was Naomi. Her husband had died. Her two boys who had married these two Moabite women, they died. And she's in a foreign land, Moab. And she begs her two daughters-in-law to return to their own country. She's too old to have any more sons. She's at the end of her rope. So she tells the two daughters, you can go. Well, Orpha kisses her mother-in-law on the cheek and goes back to Moab. But listen to what Ruth said. Ruth said, I'm not leaving you. I am connected to you. And in Ruth 1, verse 6, it says, But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to turn back from following after you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Wow. Now watch this. And Ruth, because of her connection to Naomi, goes back to uh, Bethlehem or Israel somewhere, and a kinsman redeemer named Boaz is a rich guy doing his farming. And she does what the poor people do. They glean the corners of a field. 
they were to be left. That was their social security program or their welfare program. And she was just working, working, working. And she wasn't chasing the boys. And Boaz, he saw her and said, that is one good looking woman. And she's got good character. Okay, what's her phone number? He wrote down her cell number. <laughs> and make a long story short, they got married. They, this outcast Moabite woman comes in to the Israel of God through that relationship with Boaz. What a life she's got. But better than that, she becomes the great, great, great grandmother of King David. And by virtue of that, she enters the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. A Moabite woman, by her connection, marries this wealthy guy, has David, and in her genealogy produces the Lord Jesus Christ. Her destiny was linked to her connection. Don't let somebody else take your destiny by your stubborn, egotistical rebellion about maintaining a divine connection. Don't tamper with God-ordained connections. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.